if you got good deer and turkey habitat, you're also going to have habitat for predators. So that's where your trapping comes in. You set, go through and set your trap line, and on most of these farms, deer and turkey, they're used to seeing vehicles. So yeah. you just cruise, just cruise through, check your trap line on your four-wheeler, or pick up whatever you want. Yeah. Just drive, drive through and check that line. You're not going to disturb your, your wildlife in there, but those field edges and and old gate openings, fence openings, that's where you want to key in on and, and try and wipe those predators out without getting in there and bumping out all your other wildlife. Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn. Do you present American Roots Outdoors. I'm Alex Rutledge, your host. I'm calling you from my home, everybody. And uh, let me tell you, this COVID is real, everybody. I've been under the weather since the November 23rd, and I've not left my home one time. And I really thought I was going to be in the hospital. I just want to say before we kick this show off, take COVID seriously. Take it serious. Wear your mask. Respect other people. My daughter and I have been quarantined since November 23rd. Yeah, and that being said, go ahead. Brother. Yeah, well, I know you. You know, we, we did the show last week, and you all in, were in quarantine then. Uh, how, how are you feeling? I mean. <laughs> You know, you give us a little insight here, Alex, because there are some people out there maybe right. that they don't know anybody that has been a, you know, there's been a positive test. Okay, well, I've always said COVID is real, Redbone, always. And I said it affects people differently. Mm-hmm. But the symptoms that I started out with and what made me think that I only had uh, allergies was I mowed all the leaves in my yard on Friday uh, which would have been November the 12th. And I thought, well, man, I'm having an allergy reaction. So I went coughing, uh, hacking. We went deer hunting Saturday, Sunday, uh, Monday, and uh, Tuesday. I tried to put my, I had a reaction to my contacts. Hmm. While we were in the shooting house Tuesday morning before I went to work. And it was overwhelming. It's, my eyes went bloodshot. Uh, I couldn't hardly breathe, and, and then I knew something was up. And I thought, man, that had to be allergies. So we started taking medicine, and I could, it cleared it up. I thought, here we go. Well, let's do the week. I started, went to the football game thinking I still got allergy problems. And I wore my mask at the game because you never know. And that following Monday, Sunday, I was coughing my brains out and dizzy. I about fell over several times, and I had no energy, red bone. Mm-hmm. And they tested me, said, you tested positive for COVID? Mm. But they said, again, uh, you know, the way we've cut, figured this, you, we went back seven days to when we tested you, and that's when we think you uh, attracted this. So I'm not sure where I got it, uh, but I do know it's real, and I just want to encourage all the listeners here, please take it serious. Because if you've got the carrier and you give it to somebody who's got a weak immunity, they could die. Yeah, it really is. Right. It's, it's very, very, very serious. And, and, and I think actually they're starting to um, you know, make some, uh, some more headway in understanding the disease. And, and they really think, Alex, that there are a lot of people that have either had 
or have the virus and don't know it or never did know it. And I actually happen to know someone who went and got tested uh, just a while back for the antibodies uh-huh. and tested positive for the antibody. So that person actually had had COVID, had no idea. Yeah. I want to say this to, to the hard-headed people out there that I love with all my heart. If you think you've got pneumonia or an allergy like I had, don't, don't think that. Just go straight to the doctor, get tested, because you do not want to pass it along to anybody else, right. especially your grandchildren or, or older people in your community. Mm-hmm. But uh, that being said, I also want to give a shout-out to Tommy Garner. I, Tommy had a light heart attack last week, and they had to put stents in his heart, and I want to ask everybody to lift Tommy Garner up. Uh, and that being said, lift up everybody in our community that's been sick with whatever it may be. And that being said, you know, uh, we've touched on these things. We've had a wonderful deer season. A lot of big deer killed red bones. A lot of big deer. And, and you know, a lot of medium-sized deer, Alex. And when I say that, yeah. I mean really nice, you know, really nice eight points that maybe in, in, you know, 10 years ago would have been some of the biggest deer killed around. Well, now they're getting to be kind of commonplace. And, and it, it really was amazing. And the numbers, you know, just way up there. Matter of fact, this past weekend in Missouri uh, was the second part of the youth hunt and the kids killed, uh, what was it, 3,900 and something deer just in the second portion of the youth hunt. Last year, they only killed 1,900. So it was up by about 2,000 deer. So there were a lot of deer in Missouri and, and everything is going really well. Yes, it is. And uh, I just want to give a shout out also to everybody that was successful and everybody that went and hunted. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, we got alternative seasons coming up here later on in the year here, and that, you know, muzzleloader, handguns, whatever it may be. Uh, but I tell you what, I want to talk about between for this coming show, and, and we had him as a guest earlier last year, and man, the response to this guy with his knowledge and everything was tremendous, and that's Mr. Eddie Owens. Eddie Owens is a predator hunter and trapper, and we got him coming to the show here in a minute or two. All right, Alex, before we wrap up this uh, part of the show, I just want to say one thing, uh, that uh, if you've got any cold bucks out there and we've got the alternative uh, weapons season coming up, I've still got a buck tag. Well, we need to take you, Redbone. <laughs> We're going to go to a break, everybody. I'm taking Redbone, coming alternative season, if I can make it work. We've got Eddie Owens coming up. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Tiffin, and you're listening to my old buddy, Alex Rutledge, with American Roots Outdoors. And good friends. Wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while. I could load him in the back of my truck. We can dig Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. Big old hill. Year after year. 
Wise-Eye Technologies presents American Roots Outdoors. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. And as promised, we've got a very special guest. This guy is very knowledgeable, local guy in our area. And this guy is known for his shooting abilities, trapping, and his knowledge of predator hunting. And I want to welcome you to the show, Mr. Eddie Owens. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir, man. Where are you at today, Eddie? I am in Mountain View, Missouri right now. Okay, and uh, you, you took off in your time or took a late lunch to be on our show, and I want to thank you for that. I want to share something with Eddie, Eddie that you probably did not know. Your show is one of the highest-ranked podcast shows that we have aired above Michael Waddell, Eddie Salter, and everybody. <laughs> well, uh... That's that's surprising to me. <laughs> it's the uh, truth, isn't it, Redbone? It is, and it doesn't surprise me at all because uh, I think the the subject matter, and, and you know that was back during the winter last year, and we were we were talking about trapping like we're going to do today and predator hunting and those kind of things, and and I think that is a portion of the outdoor industry, Alex. It is on the move and it's in an upward trend. It is Redbone, and, and I think trapping and predator hunting is a, a crucial element to what we're trying to do to help our wildlife numbers. And that leads me into this question, Eddie. Uh, uh, most everybody that's listened to the show knows who you are. You're from Mountain View, Missouri, born and raised, a farm boy. Uh, you learned how to predator hunt uh, in the Ozarks, hunting with uh, your, some of your family and friends, etc. Just Let me just get right to the nuts of this question. Why is trapping... And predator hunting is so important for the balance of wildlife. Well, um, I feel like, you know, when whenever people talk about, you know, wildlife man- management, they they tend to to leave out predator management. And, you know, you, you talk about trying to do all this stuff to, to help uh, increase your, your whitetail numbers and your, and your turkey numbers and, and quail and, and rabbit and all this. But they also need to, to look at the natural predators of those animals. If we don't try to manage those numbers, then trying to manage the numbers of your game animal is going to be fruitless. You know, they're yes. going to be taken out so many more than you can save without taking care of the predator population. Um, you know, I've heard people say, you know, there, there's an argument out there, and it's I've, I've noticed it the last two to three years. They say, don't don't take out possums. Well, they're they're a fur bear, and yes, they may uh, they may eat a lot of ticks, but I also look at, you know, when a possum stumbles across a turkey nest, they're not just going to take one or two eggs. They're going to wipe that whole nest out. How many ticks a day does a turkey eat? You're right. You know, I mean, they're 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 not they're not just going to take an egg and leave and 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 go on to the next one. They're going to camp out on that nest and they're going to eat till they're full. So I mean, they're 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 a predator. You know, they may not be a, a near as fast and and fierce as a bobcat or a coyote or a fox, but nonetheless, they are a predator to our turkey population. You know, they uh, they're it's kind of overlooked, but I mean that's if you don't take care of them, them animals, the the predators that are are 
working on your your game population, then you can put out all the food plots you want. If those turkeys never hatch, then you can't grow them big. You know, you're right. You can't get your numbers where they need to be. Yeah, and you know, and, and go ahead, Redbone. Well, I was just gonna say it's kind of a double edged sword, Alex. And, and you know, last week we were talking about land management and getting your property ready and creating habitat for your deer and your turkeys and and whatever else. And one thing I think that we forget, and Eddie kind of alluded to this a little bit, is the predator management. Because if you create great habitat, well, those predators know what the habitat is for deer and turkeys as well. And they know where turkeys like to nest. You're going to attract the predators as well as attracting you know, your deer and your turkeys. So you really do need to get out there and, and try and keep the predators at a minimum. You do. You do. And, and that's I've noticed you know, on this property, my wife and I uh, purchased... I, I had a lot of coyotes in there. I also had a lot of deer in there. Used to have a lot of turkeys in there, uh, but since I've started uh, uh, cleaning the place up a little bit and and setting some traps, catching bobcats, catching coyotes on there, I'm starting to see more uh, wildlife activity in there. And uh, people think that you can trap a place out. You you can trap a place pretty hard, but you give that place a year and you can go right back in there and trap it again. So it's, you know, you, you send them out and then they come in from other areas and then you, you just got to stay at it. You know, they, they, you're right. They do know if you've got good deer and turkey habitat, you're also going to have habitat for predators. So that's where your trapping comes in. You set, go through and set your trap line. And on most of these farms, deer and turkey, they're used to seeing vehicles. So yeah. you just cruise, just cruise through, check your trap line on your four-wheeler, pick up whatever you want. Yeah. Just drive, drive through and check that line. You're not going to disturb your, your wildlife in there, but those field edges and and old gate openings, fence openings, that's where you want to key in on and, and try and wipe those predators out without getting in there and bumping out all your other wildlife. Well, you're hearing it, folks, from Eddie Owens, local resident, Mountain View, Missouri, sharing his knowledge of trapping and why he feels it's important that we all trap. We're going to go do a break, everybody. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Eddie Owens on how to become a trapper, how to get started, and what type of traps you need, etc. Don't go away. We'll be back with more America Roots Outdoors right after this. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Waddell with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex. Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Up a big old hill. Year after year. Got my Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and friends. I'm the Red Bull Mike Crace. Alex, as you uh, uh, might not know, had to had to leave. He'll be back with us a little bit later on. But uh, we still have Eddie Owens on the line from Mountain View, Missouri. And uh, Eddie, last segment we were talking about the importance of predator hunting uh, to help manage your deer and turkey herd. And really, uh, you know, to kind of sum that all up, predator control needs to be part of your land management if you're trying to build a property to maximize uh, hunting for whitetail, uh, turkey, and, and other critters that we might like to hunt, quail and things like that. Is that, is that a pretty good summation of w- what we were talking about? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. Uh, you know, you can work on, if, if you don't if you don't focus on everything as a whole, 
you're you're not really going to benefit a whole lot. Yeah, you're going to be leave, leave big holes in your plan, and 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 yeah. those holes will be coyotes and bobcats and fox exactly. and, and other predators that are going to be detrimental to what you're trying to do. All right, so Eddie, let's talk a little bit about getting started trapping, and and I know you've been doing it for a, for a long time, uh, but for guys and and. I'm kind of interested in trapping uh, as kind of a way of getting back to my roots. And I think that's part of the reason why that it's getting so popular again, because a lot of guys uh, just like getting back to the roots and, and like, you know, kind of getting back to the old days, so to speak. So if someone wants to get started, I mean, what's what's first thing they need to do? And, and just go through the whole thing. I'm just going to let you talk here a little bit about uh, what kinds of traps and, you know, where they can find information on how to set them and just the whole ball of wax. Yeah. Um, well, you know, when I, when I first started, I just, uh, I just kind of a wild hair. I went over to Monty's outdoors over in West Plains. Cause they, they keep a pretty mm-hmm. good line of, uh, traps and, and lures and baits and stuff like that. And I just went over there and kind of, kind of picked through, I got on YouTube a little bit and, and searched trapping, uh, channels and whatnot. And, uh, I figured out, okay, I need, I need about a half a dozen decent traps. Um, and for our area, uh, I like a number two trap just all around. If you're, if you're concentrating on land trapping, a number two is a good, good trap to start with. Uh, and that's, and that's the size. They're numbered one, one and a half, one and three quarter, number two, you know, all the way up to, uh, I think they go up to like five or six, but that's going to be like your wolf and, and mountain lion type stuff. Okay. So a two. We don't need anything that big here, so. Yeah, so a number uh, two will pretty much just cover what it is we have to trap in this part of the Ozarks. Yeah. Okay, yes. cool. So, you know, if you pick up uh, a number two trap and then you get uh, find a find a bait, you know, I mean, it, I've had people ask me what bait I use. Um, it's hard to pronounce the name. It's Margiata's uh, dinner bell bait is what I use. They usually carry that over there at Monty's. I like it. It's not a really strong rank smell. It almost smells more like fresh meat. Hmm. Uh, I'll use that with some some sheep's wool, and they sell that over there too. Uh, I'll put a little bit of uh, bait in the sheep's wool, stuff in the hole, and I'll I'll pick up like some collars and some uh, um, like some gland lure. You know, I'll put a little gland lure in that hole, and then I'll put a a call lure. is is something that's usually got a really strong skunky smell to it. Okay. And I'll wipe that on the back edge of the hole, and I'll stick it right behind the bait, the dirt hole. Um, and what that's doing is that's letting the wind carry that scent. So I mean, you might you might wind up catching a coyote in a trap that smelled your call your call lure from a hundred yards away. No kidding. So, yeah, they're I mean they're they got some really good noses. You figure you know a coyote's got the nose of a bloodhound, the eyes of an eagle. Uh, they're, they're sharp. So, you know, and, and so you got your, your traps, you got your bait, your, your bait holder. And that's what, what your sheep's wool does that, mm-hmm. that sheep's wool, you know, what sheep's wool's like, and that bait yeah. gets in that sheep's wool and it just sticks to it. So that helps to hold your bait in place and you stuff that down your, in your, in your dirt hole. But one thing to remember is a way to anchor your trap because that's that's one thing that that always I was always leery of when I started trapping. I wanted a secure way to hold that trap because the last thing you want to do 
is let an animal take your trap and leave with it because that over time that <laughs> trap is going to wind up cutting off the blood flow to that foot and they're going to lose their foot. Yeah, if so I'm that, a- that's the last thing we want to do is cause an animal any more grief than necessary. Yeah, it'd be kind of like shooting a deer in the hindquarters or something like that. Nobody wants to do that. Uh, no, and, and I'm, no, I'm going to assume that sometimes it happens whether you want it to or not. Uh, just kind of the the way things go. You know, sometimes mistakes are made or, or whatever. So, yeah. uh, so uh, you know, we got traps, we got uh, we got bait, we got lures. Now, it sounds to me like you're you're creating two or three different scents because your bait's going to have one scent, and then your your scent lure is going to have another. Is that to make the predator feel like that something else has been over there enjoying yes. that bait as well? Yes, you know, like like. Back, you know, whenever I'm cleaning deer, I'll throw, you know, the trimming and the scraps to the dogs. They'll usually eat what they want, and what they can't eat, they'll go bury that. Right. So you're trying to duplicate that, like when a coyote has has found a, an old deer carcass or something, and they eat till they're full. Well, they know they've got to leave that carcass, but they don't want to leave all that food behind. So they'll take some of it with them, and they'll bury it somewhere. And they'll usually... When they bury that, they'll usually mark the territory. They'll pee on it. They'll roll on it and stuff like that and say, hey, this is mine. Don't don't touch it. Well, you get another coyote coming through there, they're going to be like, hey, there's something good buried there. i got to get to it. So that's what you're trying to, to duplicate when you do the dirt hole sets by putting your bait in there and then using your gland lure. Cause the, the gland lure is made from glands of real harvested animals. Mm-hmm. So, And what I what I like to do, and I, matter of fact, I was talking to a local gentleman last night. Um, I like to, like, if, if I'm targeting a, a broad spectrum of animals like uh, fox and, you know, red fox, gray fox, bobcat, and coyote, I don't use a lot of coyote scents. I'll use normally red fox gland lure, red fox pea, or bobcat gland lure and pea because I've noticed that if I, if I stick with coyote scents, Mm-hmm. Then it tends to it tends to spook your your foxes. They don't like to to compete with coyotes a whole lot, and your bobcats are a little leery of it too. So I like to to stick with the scents of of the red the red fox and the bobcat because a coyote they don't care about those they don't, they don't care to tangle with them. So I, I, I tend I tend to catch more coyotes on that type of stuff. And, okay. and the nice thing about that set is, is you're liable, you're liable to find anything in that set, and not just a coyote. So, <laughs> yeah, and I, well, I tell you, that's got to be the thing, especially for beginners that are you know running their trap lines to go out the first few times. It's got to be such a thrill, and maybe even you know to experienced hunter uh, trappers, but got to be a thrill when you go to that trap set and you've been successful. That's got to be one of the biggest oh. thrills of all time. I, I relate it to an adult version of getting up on Christmas morning and going downstairs to see what Santa has left in your stocking. No kidding. That, that's what I relate it to, because I'm, I'm just as giddy when I'm running my trap line as I was as a little kid getting up on Christmas morning. Wow. And it's like that every morning. When you know you've got a, a good 15, 20 traps out and you had a, a cold, clear night with a full moon, you know you're going to have something in a trap the next morning. The big question is, what are you going to have and how many of them? Yeah, and, probably, uh, and probably one of those nights where you don't sleep a whole lot either. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> is it time to go you yet? Know, is it you, time to go yet? 
yeah, get up at five o'clock in the morning, go run your trap line while it's still dark. But, mm. but yeah, it's uh, it's a blast. It really is. You know, once once you catch that first critter, you're hooked. I would imagine. You know, and and yeah, it's. Uh, it, it, there's nothing like it. It's quite it, really. a rush. All right, folks, we're talking with Eddie Owens from Mountain View, Missouri. We're talking uh, uh, trapping right now, and, and we're going to talk a little bit of predator hunting, too. And time is kind of getting away from us, Eddie. We've got uh, one more segment here on the on the radio show. So uh, uh, we're going to take a break here, folks. Stay with us more on trapping and predator hunting with Eddie Owens coming up in just a couple of minutes on the American Roots Outdoors Radio Show with Alex Rutledge and his friends. Right here, right now, this is Chancey Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge, the Ozark Herd Bull. Passed on down, planted deep in the ground Around your heart So you never gotta worry What the wind might do American Roots Hi everybody, this is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. How many of you needed an attorney? If you're like me, sometimes you do. I go to Zane Prevet at the Prevet Law Office, Willow Springs, Missouri. No case is too big or too small. You can call Zane at 417-469-3535. Zane Prevet at the Prevet Law Office. This is Alex Rutledge, and he is my attorney. Wi-Fi Technologies presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm the Red Bull Mike Crace, and uh, we're on the phone here with Eddie Owens from Mountain View, Missouri. We've been talking trapping, and Eddie, uh, we just talked about getting prepared, uh, you know, picking out the traps and, and you know, generally going with a number two type trap is what we're looking at, and then, you know, the scents and, and uh, the lures and all those things that you really need to get started. Uh, now, uh, what I would like for you to do here, if you can, is explain to me how to set that trap. And I mean, and, and I know I remember from last winter talking about digging a hole and how far from the hole to set the trap that, you know, kind of gives somebody an indication of what their set should look like when they get done. Well, um, what I, what I like to do, I'll dig a, I'll dig a, a hole just, just to the size of that set trap. You know, you, you, uh, you've got levers on your trap. If you're using a cold spring trap, which that's, that's all I ever use, mm-hmm. you, you'll pry the levers open, you'll open the jaws, and depending on the type of trap, some of them have a trigger that's built into, or a, a dog that's built into the pan. Some of them have a, a, a dog that, that flips over the jaw and hooks into the trigger on a pan. Mm-hmm. But regardless of whatever kind you got, go ahead and set your trap, lay it out there, and then you know roughly how big of a hole to dig. Dig your hole, and then you'll drive like an earth anchor in the bottom of that hole to hold your trap solid. And those earth anchors, I don't care what you do, you're not going to pull them out of this Missouri ground. <laughs> um, it, I've tried, and it cost me a couple trips to the chiropractor. So, oh, wow. <laughs> they're, once you drive them in, they're in there. So uh, you drive your earth anchor in there, set your trap, as whenever I set my trap how I want and I've got it where I want it, I'll sift a little dirt over it and I'll pack down around the jaws, around the levers, because if if that trap rocks in the least bit, if it wiggles at all, a coyote will dig it up. That's just that's their nature. If they think if, if they if they're coming in, they're checking out that dirt hole and that trap wiggles, 
that coyote was going to flip it over. You'll you'll no find kidding. a coyote, or you'll find a trap tripped and, and upside down whenever you come back. So just pack around them jaws good. If it's going to get cold, get a little bit of antifreeze. Uh, some people like to use uh, table salt. They'll sprinkle table salt raw around them jaws, and that keeps that ground from freezing. Because when that ground freezes and your jaws are stuck to it, that trap's not going to fire. Gotcha. So it needs it needs to stay thawed and working. So when when you're done, the only clear spot in that trap bed should be where that pan is, because when a bobcat, a fox, or a coyote's coming in, they're cautious about where they put their feet. So I'll sometimes I'll take and I'll and I'll grab some dry grass and I'll I'll shred it up and I'll just kind of sprinkle it around on that trap bed and I'll I'll clean me out a spot right where I want that animal to step. And so they'll step in that bare spot at, rather than step on that dry grass. Exactly, exactly. And I'll and I'll sometimes I'll lay some sticks out away from the trap. You don't, you definitely don't want a rock or a stick in the way of your jaws. Because mm-hmm. so, if they're in the way, then they're just going to catch that stick and they're going to slip their foot right out of it. So you know, make sure that you've got a, a clear path for those jaws to close all the way. And uh, you know, you can you can lay a rock here or there just kind of as a guidance tool to get them to funnel them in the direction you want them to come. Mm-hmm. And then and then leave a little clear spot right on that tra- on that pan. But you also want a natural backing. Like if you've got a, a big tuft of, of, of natural grass there, I'll use that as a backing because I don't want them to come in from the backside. I'll use that tuft of grass, and I'll burrow that hole underneath that grass, and I'll set my trap bed. That way they've got to come in from this one side. Then you start using your, your guiding sticks and rocks to, to funnel them in where you want. Wow, uh, very interesting. And, yeah, it's uh, it's and there's several channels on, on YouTube. Uh, there's uh, Trapping the Ozarks, Trapper J. You know, there's, uh, there's several channels, uh, and and don't be afraid of the traps. You know, if you do it long enough, you're going to get your hand in one. <laughs> um, I've, I've got a, I've got a video on my, on my Facebook page of me sticking my hand in one just to show people that it does not hurt the animal. Um, it, I've, and I'm wearing my knit gloves when I do it to keep the scent off, but there's, you know, there's, the, there's really no cushion on them gloves. Right. But, it's all our objective is is to hold that animal in place till we get there. Yeah, and I, and I, I know we talked about that quite a bit uh, you know, a year ago or so when we had you on. Is is the way the traps are designed today? They're not like the old traps that you see in the old west movies where you got the big old teeth on them and grab hold and and you know. And in the old days, that was the only way they knew to do it. The traps now yeah. are a bit more humane. They are. They are. You know, the laws have, and every state's different. On you know, some some states they have to be a laminated jaw, which makes them thicker. Mm-hmm. Some some states have to have rubber coated jaws. Thankfully, here in Missouri, they're they're a little bit more relaxed about that. They don't have to be laminated or rubber coated, but but you know, they can't have teeth or anything like that. Sure. You know? And so yeah, they've they've pretty much outlawed the jaws with teeth on them. Uh, and I wouldn't want to use those anyways. Uh, you know, the 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 more damage you do to that foot whenever that trap sets, mm-hmm. the more likely you are to lose that animal. Because if they break those bones, they'll just chew the skin and they're gone. Yeah, so that's... you don't you don't want any broken bones. 
Yeah, and that's and that's a good point to make. And 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 for the folks out there that may be thinking uh, uh, trapping is inhumane, it, it's really not. I mean, uh, uh, and it is a way. I mean. You know, to help control the predators. We talked about that at the opening of the show. Uh, this is all being done, uh, and it's not do- being done for the money any- anymore because there's not really any money in the uh, in the fur of the animals. Uh, now people are doing it because they love it, because they want to do it, and to help control the predators on their farm or somebody else's farm or wherever it is you may uh, happen to trap. Uh, just a couple of minutes left here uh, on the radio portion of our show, uh, Eddie. And and by the way, folks, Eddie is going to be our guest on the uh, bonus segment on the podcast. Uh, so you'll and we're going to talk a little more in depth about this. But uh, do you find it hard to find places to go trap? I know you talked early about you have a farm yourself. Um, I mean, uh, are there regulations about hunting the uh, public lands? And and do you find that other people are open to letting you come in and trap? Uh, for the most part, yeah, people are are uh, more open to letting you come trap and predator hunt than they are for deer and turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only thing, like if I'm hunting a new farm, I'll ask them, do you have dogs that run loose? You know, because right. essentially, you know, when you set a trap for a coyote, you're setting a trap for a dog. So I, I, that's one of the things I want to make, make real clear whenever I come into a new place that, hey, I could possibly catch your dog. Now... And and I have, you know, I have caught stray dogs on our place before. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you're careful, you can get get that dog the trap without getting bit. Uh, but I mean, it, it happens, you know, and that, that's probably the biggest thing that I I struggle with is is other people's dogs, you know. But I mean, as far as regulations go, it they if if not that bad you know as far as you know, mm-hmm. a lot of rules and regulations you just you like everything else you got to study on it um they they've they've got everything laid out for you in their in their handbook so you know before you trap anybody else's property you should be aware of all the guide, guidelines that you need to follow sure so, and and of course, I guess it would even go so far to say that if you're thinking about starting trapping and you're going to start on your own farm, you might want to put your own dogs up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fact. Well, you'll, you'll catch if your not, own dogs. If, yeah, if not, you'll get a lesson real quick on how to get a dog out of the trap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Eddie, you know, it's, it's it's interesting. We were talking a while ago about how fast the time's going uh, here on this program because this is such an interesting subject. And, uh, and I really think that a lot of people are maybe – they would like to get started or kind of weary because, and I've been to Monty's Outdoors. I go there a lot and look at the the wall of traps there. They've got back there in the back on the left. And I just, yeah. it, it's almost scary to think, okay, where do I start? What do I need? What do, what do I do? And, and I hope that uh, you were able to uh, calm some of those nerves talking about just get you the number two traps and, you know, some of the other things that, that you need. And we're going to touch on that again in the uh, the bonus segment coming up here on our podcast. So anything uh, just real quick in 60 seconds, unless you'd like to say the folks out there that are thinking about trapping. Uh, I'd say just, if you're thinking about it, just do it. Uh, I, I held off for so many years cause I didn't think I would be good enough. And it's just like anything, you know, if you get out there and, and it, you know, it's trial and error, you know, you'll do things that, and you're like, well, I don't know if it's working or not. If you get there and you don't have something in your trap, just study that trap bed. Check and see where that animal has stepped, and that kind of helps you on what to do next time. You know, just just mm-hmm. if you're if you're thinking about doing it, just bite the bullet. Get you four or five traps and a little bit of, of, of bait and lure, 
and just go do it. That's that's the that's the best thing I can say is just go do it. If you thought about it, do it. Otherwise, you will regret not. All right, so Eddie, one one final question, and this I think it'd just be a real short answer because we are. I mean, we're really running short on time. Uh, if you go out and you, you you set your traps and you go and you check it and the trap has not been sprung, do you need to reset or can you just leave that and come back again tomorrow? I tend to leave them. A lot of the times I'll catch a coyote after about four to seven days. No kidding. Uh, yep. That, that bait will stay there. That lure will stay there. And your coyotes, they tend to, if they're a little little skittish, they might check it out for two or three nights. And on that fourth, fifth, or sixth night, that's when you'll get them. Wow, that's fantastic. Best thing is just drive by, look at it from a distance. If everything looks good, just keep on going, check it the next morning. Folks, our guest has been Eddie Owens from Mountain View, Missouri. We've been talking trapping on the American Roots Outdoors radio show today with Alex Rutledge. And again, Alex sends his apologies for having to leave the program early today, but uh, something came up. Uh, Eddie, thank you for being here. And uh, we're going to continue this discussion over on the uh, bonus segment on the podcast. So go to your carrier and uh, uh, download the uh, American Roots Outdoors uh, uh, radio podcast. And, of course, uh, join us and make sure when you do that that you leave a review because we got some great giveaways going on. And, uh, matter of fact, we're going to be giving something away here, I think, a wise eye camera very, very soon. So, folks, uh, go like the uh, podcast. And thank you for joining us on the American Roots Outdoors radio show today. I'm the Red Bull Mike Craze for Alex Rutledge. When your roots run deep and strong, there's no need to fear the wind. So you never got to worry what the wind Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm the Red Bull Mike Crace. Welcome to the bonus segment on our podcast and uh, if you're listening to this we thank you very much don't forget before you leave to leave a review leave a good review and remember on that review we need your real name not just your uh, handle that you use for uh, getting into the uh, podcast or whatever Uh, we need your real name and we need to know what town you're from so if you are the winner in one of our giveaways uh, we can get that to you we're going to continue our discussion now with eddie owens from mountain view missouri we've been talking trapping and uh uh, Eddie, part of trapping and, and part of and what I kind of like to talk about, and what I feel like we've talked about today a lot, is the complete land management. And we've done that over the last couple of weeks here on the show, uh, you know, talk about land management and getting your property ready and creating uh, food plots and creating bedding areas and water and all those things. And we touched on this on the radio show uh, that uh, <clears throat> those predators, they know where those places are, too. And when they see good habitat for deer or turkeys, those predators are going to hang out in that area. That's why trapping or predator hunting has become so important uh, to help control the predator numbers. And when you control predator numbers, that controls how many of your turkeys are destroyed or turkey nests are destroyed or your deer are attacked and fawns are killed or whatever the case may be. So let's talk a little bit here about predator hunting, because I know that you are a huge predator hunter as well as a trapper. That's probably my main passion. You know, used to chasing big bucks was something I always loved to do. But now, after two or three days of rifle season, I'm like, all right, we got to get back to hunting guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I know that you've yeah. been you've been in the in my neck of the woods. Uh, matter of fact, a farm right next to where I live. You've been down and have done some predator hunting, and y'all were successful in killing some coyotes out there. 
yes, yeah, that's uh, that's good hunting country out there, and that you know, uh, that's one of the things I look at when when looking for a place to predator hunt is is trying to find those thickets where the deer like to bed up and and mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you know, and that's seems to be the the type of place that holds the most coyotes, those thick brushy hollers. If you can get in there when the, with the wind right, you know, and get get set up downwind of that thicket, you usually call a coyote out of there. Yeah, and you and you like to call coyotes. You don't necessarily run them with dogs. No, I don't run them with dogs, and and not you know nothing against the guys that run them with dogs. I like to hear a good hound race too. Oh well, sure, but I I have found that because I don't run dogs, I tend to gain access to farm to more farms because. And and I don't know. I guess there's some sort of stigma, you know, with that. People think that because your dog ran a coyote or run a deer, but that's usually not the case. Most guys, if if they find their dog will run a deer, they'll find another home for it. Yeah, exactly. You know, they they don't want to waste their time chasing the deer when they're out there trying to kill coyotes. But you know, like I said, that's you know, there's nothing against those guys that do that because it is a lot of fun. Oh yeah. But I just I've noticed with the fact that I I hunt daylight hours. I use a call. I tend to get you know gain more hunting ground that way. All right. So you talk about the predator hunting. Do you prefer? And I, I know the answer to this already, but I want you to say it. Do you prefer hunting coyotes, bobcats, or fox, or is it kind of a crapshoot when you go out? I prefer calling coyotes. I really do, uh, and I, I think it's just the fact that they are so. Smart. They're mm-hmm. they're a lot smarter than people give them credit for. They're probably one of the most resilient animals in the woods right now. You know, they're they're designed to to survive for a living. You know, they're they depend on their eyes, their ears, and their nose. And you are when you go out there to call them in, you've got to fool them on all three of those levels, or you're not going to be successful. You know, I would and, and, I would think it's it's kind of like if if a turkey could smell as good as a deer or if a deer could see as good as a turkey and that's kind of what you would have with a coyote yeah 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 i've always always heard that too if a, if a turkey could smell i don't think it would ever get killed exactly <laughs> and, and if a deer could see it might be that same way too for the deer oh man yeah absolutely yeah them coyotes they're there's really nothing in, in my opinion there's nothing that beats outsmarting an old warrior coyote you know, the you, you you wind up getting one on the ground. The last, matter of fact, the last last time I went hunting, I called I called in two coyotes. One was a young female, another one was an old female. She was old. She yeah. had uh, two canines left, and they was on they was on about half there, and all of her front teeth were gone. Wow! And I had to I had to shoot her on the run at thirty yards. No kidding. You know, being able to fool an old coyote in to shotgun range, it just it don't get no better. I bet that is quite a thrill. All right, so uh, Eddie, uh, just uh, here in a couple of minutes, give us a typical coyote set when Eddie Owens goes out and, and wants to call in a coyote. Uh, I'll try to find a a downwind hillside to where I've got good back cover. I, you know, I, I want something that'll break up my outline. I want the wind not necessarily right in my face. I want it to be cutting across me, okay, right to left or left to right as long as I can see the downwind side. Because nine times out of ten, that coyote will do its best to circle downwind to you, and that way it knows, one, that it's not coming into a possible threat, 
Mm-hmm. Two, it wants to know what it's hunting. Gotcha. So always keep your downwind side open. Now you talk about uh, being on a hillside. Are you going to sit at the uh, at the bottom of the hill, middle of the hill, or the top of the hill? Oh, normally it's middle to top. I, I try not to ever get down in the bottom because your scent tends to follow those bottoms. Mm-hmm. I like to be up. And then if I can't see the downwind side, I like to have a partner with me that can go just to the break of the hill and see that downwind side. And, you know, it's like a hunting from a deer hunting from a tree stand versus on the ground. The higher you are, the more ground you cover, mm-hmm. you know, if, and I, I don't have a problem shooting, you know, taking a 300 yard shot on a coyote. So if I can, you know, if it means it's going to add a hundred yards to my shot, if it adds 200 yards to my visibility, I'm going to take that extra 100-yard shot. Wow, gotcha. All right, so as far as coyote calls, and there are hundreds of them on the market, what's your favorite one? I'll tell you what, there, I've got two that I run primarily, Fox Pro and Lucky Duck are my two favorites. Um, they're, they're both very clear, very loud, very dependable. So you're using just a, a, just a coyote call? Uh, just a coyote call. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll take a, a electronic call with some, my distress sound mm-hmm. and I'll always carry some hand calls with me because I've had several air, you know, situations where the battery dies. I can, I can do the distress call with my hand calls and distress call is one of my favorite things to use. Rabbit stress, jackrabbit stress, either, either one. I know people say we don't have jackrabbits here. Coyotes don't know that. Right. Know, if they, they have an opportunity to go get one, it's just going to And they're coming to it. Yeah, if, 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 if a coyote hears a jackrabbit in distress, they're going to think, oh, it's a buffet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's all they know. They're like, oh, that sounds like a tasty critter that's in trouble. Yeah, and, that, and that's exactly, uh, folks, what you're trying to do. Make them think there's a tasty critter that's in trouble. And uh, now, uh, one other thing here before we go, we've got just about a minute or so. Uh, the, the, the caliber of rifle preferred for predator hunting personally yes. i like a 22 250 okay um now if if I'm, if I'm hunting thicker areas where i may have to take a shot through some brush i'll go a little bigger i've got a 25 out six that i absolutely love 243 works good too but my favorite all-around caliber is a 22 250 wow they they shoot super flat they shoot super fast and I don't think I've lost one yet with a twenty-two fifty. Uh, do you know anybody that hunts with the the seventeen HMR? Uh, I I do. It it will do the trick, but shot placement is key. Yeah, pretty critical HMR. with that that small caliber yeah. in it. Uh, there's been a lot of people lose coyotes, you know, to seventeen HMR. If I shoot a coyote, I want to see that coyote expire. I don't want to. I don't want to wound any animal and have it suffer for days before it dies. Absolutely. All right. So uh, you got the twenty-two, two fifty. You you see the coyote. You drop the coyote. You know he dropped in his tracks. Uh, what is the first thing that Eddie Owens does? Do you give it a yeehaw? No, I'll uh, flip the call over to distress distress coyote, and I'll sit still for about another five to ten minutes and keep calling. Ah, so another coyote may come in. Yep. That last time I went out, I shot that old coyote at 30 yards on the run. Uh, I switched to coyote distress for about three minutes, and then I switched back over to a jackrabbit distress. 
And seven minutes after the first shot, I killed the second coyote at 200 yards. Wow, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. So, Folks, predator hunting is it, it, something that can be a lot of fun and kind of fills in the gap, Eddie, between deer hunting and the turkey hunt in the spring. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, coyotes are, are legal to hunt uh, over 11 months out of the year. You know, so if you, if, if you don't have nothing going on, grab a call, grab a rifle, and head to a field. All right, folks, we want to say thanks to Eddie Owens from Mountain View, Missouri, for joining us today. Thank you for joining us here on the uh, on the uh, bonus segment on our podcast. And remember, tune in every week, new shows every weekend here on American Roots Outdoors. Eddie, good luck to you out there, predator hunting. And and uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about you, you killing a cinnamon bear, but um, uh, just I'll give you just a few seconds here. You were Where were you when you went hunting? We were south of Craig, Colorado uh, on some, some BLM land. Uh, we camped for, I believe it was seven seven or eight nights. Uh, saw some 20 to 30 below temperatures, 10 inches of snow. Wow. Uh, wound, up, wound up shooting a cinnamon bear at 500 yards. How big was he? He was about 300 pounds. Wow. Um, he, he wasn't an old, old bear. They, they guessed him at five years old. Uh, he was a tough animal. <laughs> uh, probably one of the most exciting hunts I've ever been on. I would imagine. And, of course, you're having that bear mounted, right? Oh, yes. Yep, full body mount for sure. I'll have to get up there one of these trips. I make him out in view and see him when you get him in. All right, uh, again, folks, thank you all for joining us on the American Roots Outdoors uh, bonus segment here on the podcast. And remember, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. <laughs>